0: Welcome to the Chemical Sensitivity Podcast. I'm Aaron Goodman, host and founder of the podcast. I'm a journalist, documentary maker, university instructor, and communication studies researcher. And I've lived with multiple chemical sensitivity, or MCS, for years. MCS is also known as environmental illness, chemical intolerance, and toxicant-induced loss of tolerance, or TILT. And it affects millions around the world. And as you know, many people with a condition are dismissed by healthcare workers, employers, friends, and even family. Countless people with MCS struggle to find healthy housing and get accommodation at work and school. And we suffer in all kinds of ways. The purpose of the Chemical Sensitivity Podcast is to help raise awareness about MCS and what it's like for people who live with it. We featured interviews with some of the world's leading experts and researchers on MCS and lots of people with the condition, and we're just getting started. This is episode 31, and the title is Podcasting, MCS, and Community Building. It's a different kind of episode in that we've decided to answer some of your questions and provide some information about me, about who I am, some of my experiences with MCS, and why I started the podcast. I'm not planning to talk about myself in great depth again or on an ongoing basis, so this is kind of a one-time episode. And the idea is just to give you, the listener, a bit of a sense of who's behind the podcast. So you'll hear me speaking with Rainy Novak, who helps produce the podcast and kindly took time to speak with me. I hope you enjoy the conversation and find it a benefit. If you like the podcast, you can support the project and help us continue making it available and creating greater awareness about MCS. Find links on the website, chemicalsensitivitypodcast.org and the show notes. And many of you are already generously supporting the podcast and I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. We release new episodes twice a month. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Find the podcast on YouTube, Just go to YouTube and search for the Chemical Sensitivity Podcast. Click subscribe. Find us on social media. Just search for the Chemical Sensitivity Podcast or Podcasting MCS. Please leave your comments about anything you hear and please share the podcast with others. If you'd like to read transcripts of the podcast, go to the podcast website, chemicalsensitivitypodcast.org. Click on any episode you want and then click on transcripts or On YouTube, you can read captions in any language, as I said. So leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way to help others learn about the podcast. And if there's someone you'd like to hear interviewed on the podcast or a topic you'd like us to explore, just let me know. Email info at chemicalsensitivitypodcast.org. And thank you for listening. Well, thanks, Rainy, for doing this with me.
1: Oh, thank you, Aaron, for taking the time to talk about yourself on the podcast.
0: For sure. It's not something that I ever planned to do. You know, I never really wanted to center myself and I'm not going to center myself in this podcast, but, um, you know, we're doing this because some listeners have shared that it might be helpful to know a little bit about me and, you know, obviously I have MCS, but it's an opportunity just to share a bit more information with folks to know who's behind the podcast.
1: I want to ask you how long have you had MCS?
0: Yeah. So I think I've had MCS basically my whole life. I mean, going back as far as I can remember, I have two young children and I've been married for some time. And so I'm not, I'm not young anymore, but um I've had MCS probably since, I don't know if since I was born, but it's possible, uh, but definitely in my childhood. And how do I know? Well, I know like a lot of people, I just felt unwell a lot of the time, and I didn't really I, I never knew why. Um, did I know that I was being triggered by household chemicals? No, because I, I, you know as a young person, nobody puts that together and even adults don't necessarily put that together because did people even know about multiple chemical sensitivity back then? Uh, You know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. So, so no, no, I didn't know. Uh, But, you know, my parents were... Smoking in the house, and you know, using chemical cleaning products that I'm sure were not making me feel good, and I and I think the food that we were eating, although they made an effort to provide and cook healthy meals, um, it certainly wasn't on on an organic diet, you know. So I'm sure there were things in the food that were making me feel unwell, and I and I think if you know, maybe we can talk about those. If there were tilt events, right? So when we talk right. about tilt, it's the, a term that was defined by Dr. Claudia Miller and colleagues, which really reflects either a gradual or exposure over multiple times to low dose chemicals or a single exposure to a high dose. I think I had exposures to a lot of smaller doses in the form of, like a lot of people, and I'm not special in any way. So I just want to emphasize that as much as possible. my case is not special or unique. Everyone's case is different. But so in my case, I had a lot of ear infections as a child. And I just remember my parents dragging me to the doctor's office again and again and again. And as was probably the practice at that time in North America, the doctor gave bottles of antibiotics, And I recall reading that that can be a factor, right? We know a lot of people develop MCS after having antibiotics. And then I had my tonsils out, as a lot of people do, and had general anesthetic. And then I had my wisdom teeth out in my teenage years. And I remember waking up from a general anesthetic because I had four wisdom teeth taken out. I had a, a really bad reaction to the anesthetic or... Uh, one of the medications that they had given me, my reaction was, was really strong. And then through my twenties and thirties and even forties. So now I'm giving away my age, more or less. I was working as a freelance journalist and documentary filmmaker. And so I worked a lot in Asia, and basically across Southeast South Asia. And from the time I was basically 17, I was getting a lot of vaccines. And I know there's a lot of debate, and I'm not talking about vaccines in order to, you know, open a can of worms or, you know, debate about whether vaccines cause injury or not. That's not my intention. It's just to say that the accumulation of medication that I received, in my mind, probably contributed to my what is now a, a really severe uh, form of chemical sensitivity where I'm hypersensitive. Oh, and before I forget, and I don't want this to be like an exhaustive autobiography, but when I was living in Thailand about 15 years ago, um, as is the practice, where I was living in Bangkok in a condominium building, the, there was repeated pesticide spray basically every two weeks inside my unit and throughout the building so termites cause a lot of problems for buildings in that part of the world and so pesticide spray is really commonly used as a lot of people listening will know and for a lot of people for most people You know, I was in meetings where, you know, someone would come in, someone who was working would come in and, you know, holding like a big silver canister and start pumping the stuff into the pesticide of the air. And I'd be like, I got to get out of here. I'm sorry. I've got to leave. And they'd be like, look at me like I was crazy because most people just. It's part of the day-to-day there in that part of the world where people don't really ever think about it. But I remember coming home, you know, I'd be out working and I'd come back to my the, the condominium that I was renting in Bangkok. And again, and it's interesting that, you know, having this conversation, Rainey, because I can just talking about it, connect some of the dots, you know. So I had the same kind of outburst. Out of control reaction to the pesticide that I did to the antibiotic, not to the antibiotic that I had to the anesthetic or the medication from my wisdom teeth surgery removal. So, long story short, it got to the point where I could no longer live in Bangkok, and you know I. You know, a lot of people, everyone's aware of the high, high level of pollution, air pollution, industry pollution there. And I never really thought about it until I could no longer live there because that was my tilt event. So I had managed my condition up until that point, not knowing what I had, just knowing that I felt unwell a lot of the time until that tilt event. Cause that was from one day to the next, you know, after that. So there were a lot of pesticide exposure, but one day I was outside and someone who was working and, you know, using that spray dumped a lot of it or sprayed a lot of it over the side of the building and it rained down on me. So I remember feeling it, the moisture of it and the taste of it. So I inhaled it, it was in my mouth and, and that was my tilt event. So I was never, I've never been the same after that. Date, okay. Um, Yeah, and so I, after that, I couldn't go outside without reacting to chemicals, perfume, laundry detergents, chemical products, all that kind of stuff.
1: Great. So you've told me about your tilt event, which is something I was going to ask. So with all of this, how were you able, or were you able to get a diagnosis? How was that process look like for you?
0: Yeah. So I was fortunate at the time um, living in Bangkok. You know, I was teaching at a university, teaching journalism and working as a freelance journalist and making films. And when I had my Tilt event, I was fortunate that I was able to go to clinic where there was a doctor who was a functional medicine doctor, Dr. Torsak. And I, I feel quite emotional just talking about it because the way circumstances lined up, I was really lucky that I landed in that particular doctor's office, because there have been a number, like many of us, like most of of us with MCS, there were, have been many times where I have been met with denialism and been dismissed and told by doctors that I have anxiety disorder when I do not, you know, so that I'm very familiar with, but that particular doctor understood the condition, recognized it and diagnosed me. Gave me a di- clear diagnosis of uh, multiple chemical sensitivity. So that was that was really fortunate. He also provided me with um, a form of treatment in the form of antioxidant uh, supplements, which provided some limited relief for a time, but not really. I haven't ever found anything that has uh, helped me you know, to be, to recover from this condition. It's one that I continue to live with.
1: Right. Of course. So going forward, how has uh, MCS affected your relationships?
0: Well, it's like, you know, anyone, everyone listening will know that it's, you know, when you have this condition, it affects everything. So I was fortunate again, that my partner, the woman I married, we weren't yet married in Thailand, but we met in Thailand. uh, And her name is B, what is a very compassionate person. And she's also trained in biology. So she has a scientific mind and can understand, uh, although even, you know, experts don't exactly know, but because she has a scientific foundation, she can understand that it's plausible. You know, she can understand that I'm not making this up. And there were a couple difficult moments. For example, when we were, we were dating and we were at a performance in a theater and it was in the earliest part of our relationship and, and she was wearing a perfume and I couldn't be in the, the theater. I couldn't sit next to her. And so that was, that was very difficult And so there was a period of adjustment and on, you know, for her, she made the decision to use all unscented products, cosmetics, you know, hair, laundry, everything. And so thank goodness, because we know not everyone is willing to, you know, be compassionate and understand. And so fast forward to, we've been together for 16 years and we have two children uh, who are six and eight and and they're wonderful too because um they really look out for me and uh we don't use any scented products in the home and the only i mean there are a lot of challenges just being out and about in the world with them because i you know i'm fully engaged in their lives but one of the challenges is when they go to school so they go to elementary school and it's very very fragrant it's coming from the cleaning products that the school uses or i think some teachers may be using air fresheners and we know during covid there was a lot of air you know sanitizing products so and uh, probably the laundry products that other students wear i'm guessing they come home and you know it's in their hair and on their clothes so we have learned like many do when they come home, they just change clothes right away and they go into the bath and they don't like it, but I'm still washing them because it's important that they, they, they can't get it out on their own. So that's just, our family has had to make, make that adjustment where, but they're really kind, you know, so for example, we live in a condo here and uh, we live in the West coast of Canada in a city called White Rock, which is near Vancouver. We live in a condominium building and Sometimes, uh, the elevator can be really fragrant. A lot of time it's, it's not, but I generally take the stairs, but sometimes when we take the elevator, they're like, you know, they, they suss it out for me. They, they go in and if it's frankly, daddy, no, we can't. It's so they're really, really sweet and uh, very thoughtful. And I think it's probably good in the sense that. I mean, they can make their own decisions as they grow up, but I'd be inclined to think that they probably will choose um, unscented and healthy products as they grow older, too. Hi, it's Aaron. Just pausing briefly to say thanks for listening to the Chemical Sensitivity Podcast. You're listening to episode 31. This episode is called Podcasting, MCS, and Community Building. It's a different kind of episode. We've decided to answer some of your questions and provide some information about who I am, about some of my experiences with MCS and why I started the Chemical Sensitivity Podcast. You're hearing me speak with producer Rainy Novak. And thanks so much for listening. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the podcast and still want to support the project, please find links on the website and in the show notes, just go to chemicalsensitivitypodcast.org. Your help allows us to continue making the podcast and create greater awareness about MCS. Thank you very much.
1: Well, it sounds like your family is very respectful and understanding, which is wonderful. Not a lot of people have that, of course, as you know, they think it's just an anxiety disorder. You've talked about your family. What about friends? Did you have any negative experiences with friends?
0: When it comes to friends, I would say now most of my social interactions are with people online. So I remember, it's just hard, like, A, it's hard making friends as an adult to begin with, I find, but it's also hard to, you know, for example, I've been becoming friends with another child's father at the school where our kids go because we're there in the playground almost every day, you know, as our kids are playing after school and, you know, we've become, I think we call ourselves friends, you know, we don't hang out on weekends or anything, but, you know, we, the way we talk with one of I'd, I'd say we're, we're on the way to becoming friends and uh, I've been fully transparent about my MCS with this particular individual and they came to our daughter's birthday about, A month-ish ago, and he came wearing Axe deodorant or something really, really fragrant, and uh, so I was really surprised by that. But maybe not that surprised at the end of the day because, well, it just symbolized to me that it's it's going to be really hard to make friends with people who don't have the condition. I remember uh, just another story. We were was becoming friends with another fellow who also happened to be. the father of one of the children that our children were playing with at that time a couple of years ago and um we had a family get together and his spouse his wife came wearing a, a really really strong fragrance you know it's one of those cases where you could probably smell it down the block and and I said um at, not at the time but after I said We'd, you know be great to get together again but would you be willing to ask your partner to refrain from using and i didn't hear from that person again so Mm -hmm. i think some it's hard it's really it's really hard to to be in the world and and develop friendships with this illness so i've kind of resigned myself to like 99 percent having relationships with people online and it's really wonderful, you know, through this podcast, I've met a lot of people and like a lot of people I'm on, you know, social media sites, Facebook, etc. And, um, we don't have to explain it to anyone,
1: right?
0: We don't have to explain it because, uh, it's really difficult to, um, you know, I could just share one more story. For example, I, I don't go to a particular f- Extended family members' house anymore because of the laundry products they use that are really, really toxic. And so, and yet they continue to invite us over, and I just can't, you know, I just prioritize my health now because it's not worth it being in that environment and and just feeling ill. Because as a parent with young kids and, you know, with a lot of responsibilities, I just can't afford to not feel well anymore and I think that's the great thing about having a diagnosis and just knowing like and as I'm getting older too like I realize there isn't as much time left so with the time that I have I want to feel good I don't want to be in environments where my health is compromised because if I look back on my life a lot of time it wasn't great you know and so it, it, I just want to really be feel good
1: Well, it sounds like you have found a good kinship with people online and that understand you and understand what you're going through, which is great. How has having MCS affected your work life?
0: Right. So, uh, you know, I've been working as an educator, as a, you know, university instructor or, you know, full time for, for over a decade. And um, it didn't, Really dawn on me to ask for accommodation up until a couple years ago, you know, even though I had a diagnosis, but got to the point, I think, with the potency of the laundry products and, you know, the fragrance products that are there in the classroom, that it just became impossible. And I think my illness progressed too. So I just couldn't be in, it just couldn't be there anymore. So I, I put in a request for accommodation. And fortunately, it was, uh, it was granted so i'm able to teach all online and i do communication studies research all online as well and you know so that's been great is it forever it may not be you know it's one of those things that needs to be renewed i'm fortunate that i have a a doctor who doesn't argue with me about the condition you know my doctor has signed the accommodation request letters my doctor is leaving her practice so we'll see what the future looks like but uh for now uh, I'm consider myself very fortunate you know if i had to go back into the classroom um like a lot of people who are you know work in education it would be really tough it would be really tough but um i thought about what i would do so i could probably wear you know wearing a, a respirator like a half mask respirator is difficult because no one can see your mouth your face and it's hard to be heard could I wear a full-face respirator possibly you know we're we're talking with I'm going to be talking with a couple of people on the podcast who happen to be educators who do wear them or did it for a time but then left teaching so it's possible but Ideally I'll be able to continue to teach online and I think the pandemic showed us that online work and online teaching is is not a bad thing. It's a really great thing, you know. So I really hope I can continue to do it and the podcast is done all online too. So so that's really really great too.
1: So you mentioned masks. Do you typically wear a mask when you're out?
0: Yeah. So like a lot of people, I've tried a number of masks over the years. I've used like a charcoal insert in a cotton fabric mask. I won't say the name of the company, but it no longer provides adequate protection for me because my illness has progressed. So what I knew do wear now, I was looking behind me to see if I have it, but I will say the name of this one. I use a 3M half respirator with a 60926 filter, which is the clunky gray and pink filters. And um, I don't leave the house without it anymore. What I do is uh, rather than wearing it all the time, I hold it in my hand and I took the straps off it. So I just cup, cup it over my mouth literally with every breath I take when I'm outside. You know, we have a dog and I, I take it every time I walk the dog because I can encounter dryer sheets in the neighborhood where we live or You know, exhaust from cars that sometimes throws me off, or fragrances. So that's been really a learning curve for me, and and really just giving myself permission to do that. Do I get a lot of stares? Yeah, yeah, like a lot of people. So during the pandemic, you know, the whole mask thing, as we know, got really politicized. But I was walking my children to school one day, and a young child, I'd say about six, came out of their house and started yelling at me, my parents want to know why you're wearing that mask. And I just, it was really disheartening, you know, it was really disheartening, you know, because um well, at the time I was wearing the 3M half race were covered with a scarf. So it looked really big. And, um, so now I don't do that because, It just makes it more, it it makes it show even more. It makes it look even more awkward. So yeah, so I get away with cupping it. I'm going to be taking an international flight with my family in the summer. I'm probably going to have to wear it the whole time. And am I looking forward to that in airports and on flights? No, not at all. Not at all. And the whole travel thing, by the way, is really, really, really challenging. Maybe we can talk about that. It's, as we know, it's really complicated but on the mat on the note of masks as someone recently wrote on on the one of the facebook groups it's basically allows me to be in the world again and it's re- it's allowed me to regain a lot of my life you know so i'm really grateful that i have it we're going to have an episode with people who wear masks big mask respirators to talk and and full face masks to talk about the kind of the inner strength and the guts it takes to do that day in day out because it, you know as someone one of the guests said to me as we prepare to have this the conversation is I, I i'm now that person and nobody wants to be that person but you know what rainy like i have learned through this illness and having to to use a mask every all the time that you know we're othered we're, we're made to feel like we're we're freaks there's something wrong with us we're stared at you know i wear it in the schoolyard every day to drop off and pick up my kids and there was like i don't know 800 children and their and adults and teachers and i'm the only one and you know what that really sucks it really sucks um my kids don't care now you know they don't care but i get a lot of stares and there are a lot of parents uh, of Children in my children's class who would not talk to me because of it. And I take my kids to their judo class and a lot of people don't talk to me because I'm cupping a mask to my mouth. And maybe they think I'm, you know, have a mental illness and I'm paranoid about COVID, but we know that people in wheelchairs or who have other disabilities, this is how that what they experience, you know, multiplied all the time. So so that's what I learned that um, as someone who feels othered every time I leave the house, um, it's really not easy. It doesn't really get easier, but I just push through it.
1: Right. Well, you touched on the topic of traveling since you are going to be taking quite the flight in the summertime. Mm -hmm. Uh, What sort of difficulties do you foresee with traveling
0: yeah well traveling is super difficult because hotels are out of the question uh i basically stopped i used to travel a lot with my work then i basically stopped it and i've been like a real homebody for a number of years but you know we want to take a family trip so and i'm also doing some work in there as well uh, related to my teaching and research so um it involves Trying to find accommodation, get this where what's likely going to happen is I'm going to sleep in a tent, our own tent, which is a chemical free tent in the yard of the Airbnb owners. And I'm going to probably wear my respirator in the house, you know, when I'm making meals or with my family or even having a shower, you know. But that's just what it takes to. To do this, because um, that's just what we have to do. It yeah. is. It is what it is. Yeah. So mask in in Ubers, on trains, on planes, sleeping outside, and that just takes a lot of coordination. You know, it's a lot, a lot of planning, a lot, a lot of planning. But that's it is what it is.
1: Right. So with all your experience with MCS. Did you decide to do the podcast to share information? Like, is that what brought about the podcast?
0: Yeah, I think it really is. I mean, like a lot of people, uh, because I've had lived with MCS for quite some time. You know, a lot of us can remember when, you know, let's say back in the '90s, there were like a couple websites, and there just wasn't a lot of information. You know, we had to do a lot of searching, a lot of digging to find out. What this is and what to do about it, you know, how to adapt. Uh, so, so there's still, you know, with social media, there's, there's more information available to us. And, you know, the level of support that people provide to one another is, is incredible. There have been some podcasts made by people with MCS. And, um, I recently learned about one that was done like way, way back, but what, We want, what I want to do with this podcast, the chemical sensitivity podcast is a couple things just to provide another opportunity for people with the illness to voice their experiences, to talk about their lives and how it's impacted them. And there is some research being done. So, you know, we're talking to physicians who know about the illness and researchers and... Yeah, so we're trying to do like educational, informative and also hopefully engaging and and sometimes fun and interesting. So it's been uh, a lot of work, I won't deny it. Uh we just finished uh marking celebrating the first year of the podcast and uh, it's just getting going. So the reception has been phenomenal. There are thousands of listeners across North America, Europe, uh EU, UK, Australia, New Zealand. Across Asia, so our goal is really to reach people wherever you are. You know, one thing that's really exciting is that the podcast is now available on YouTube, uh, thanks to your help, Rainy. So the podcast is on YouTube, and there it's available. In- in any language, so captions are available in any language, and the podcast is available on most platforms, virtually all platforms. Uh, it's free to subscribe. We have t- new episodes every twice a month.
1: Perhaps as we move to wrapping up, we could discuss how having MCS has changed your life.
0: Yeah, it's um, continues to challenge me. It's also shown me, you know, what's important in life. The quality time when I'm healthy in healthy environment uh, with my family, doing work that I, you know, believe in—that is such a gift that I can that I can do that. So, and I get a lot of satisfaction by talking with other people who live with this illness. So that's been really gratifying too. So, super grateful for all the support from people who listen and subscribe and support the podcast. We hope you continue to listen. I hope it's been helpful maybe uh thank you for bearing with me as i kind of shared this uh, part of uh, part of my life with you and thank you rainy for all the work you do on the podcast and for taking time to speak with me that brings us to the end of this episode of the chemical sensitivity podcast thank you very much to producer rainy novak for speaking with me release new episodes twice a month subscribe wherever you get your podcasts if you like the podcast, you can support the project and help us continue making the podcast available and creating greater awareness about MCS. Please find links on the website, chemicalsensitivitypodcast.org, and in the show notes. Many of you are generously supporting the podcast, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Please find the podcast on YouTube. Go to YouTube and search for the Chemical Sensitivity Podcast and click subscribe. Find us on social media. Just search for the Chemical Sensitivity Podcast or Podcasting MCS. Leave your comments about anything you hear on the podcast and please share the podcast with others. If you prefer to read transcripts of the podcasts, you can go to the podcast website, ChemicalSensitivityPodcast.org, click on the episode you want and then click on transcript or you can read captions on YouTube. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way to help others learn about the podcast. And if there's someone you'd like to hear interviewed on the podcast or a topic you'd like us to explore, just let me know. Email info at chemicalsensitivitypodcast.org. And thanks for listening.